Cinema Matchups podcast. We are your hosts, Kim Kohler and Sean Rodenberg, and we are back for another one verse eight battle in our pick your all time favorite movie bracket challenge. We are in the home stretch. We only have a few more one verse eight battles to go, and then we will have completed our first round. So if you've been following along in the bracket competition, scores are getting a little further from one another. We have a pretty distinct leaderboard coming up. Very, very exciting. And we will talk probably next episode about how we're going to wrap up this podcast and how we will narrow down after the first round. But for today, we have a one verse eight seed for you guys. And we have Casablanca, which is a first seed versus Law Abiding Citizen, which is an eighth seed. Two very different movies looking at the statistics of these. Casablanca comes in at a 99% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, hailed as one of the best movies of all time. I think you said only behind Paddington 2, if that is correct, as the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Something with Rotten Tomatoes algorithm, it's not necessarily the ratings of the movies, but almost just like a like and dislike thing where someone has to dislike the movie in order for it to get like a rotten score. But if people are like, it's okay, it still gets like fresh tomatoes. It's just funny because that means that someone out there was like, no, Casablanca. But every critic who ever reviewed Paddington 2 was like, good movie. And I have heard great things about Paddington 2 from random people, former coworkers, who are like, you have to watch Paddington 2. And I was like, well, I didn't watch the first one. And they're like, it doesn't matter. You have to watch Paddington 2. And so I guess we have to watch the Paddington series at one point in time. The Paddington Cinematic Universe. Yes. Fun fact, I played Paddington Bear as a a child in a school play. I think it's probably because I was just the fattest kid in the class. (laughs) I thought you were a great Paddington. (laughs) I think I was in third grade and I had to wear like his little button up raincoat and a bucket hat. It was like in class. So it wasn't even an actual performance. It was just in front of like our parents basically. But you gave a a really good performance. Yeah. I was the fucking star. Let's just, let's just talk about me getting a lead actress role at the ripe age of nine. This child is a blessing to the both of us. (laughs) We are getting sidetracked (laughs) anyways. So with Casablanca, very, very held in uh, high regard by critics, uh, minus those who believe Paddington 2 is a better movie. It was nominated for eight Oscars, won three. The ones that won was Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. Was nominated for Best Actor for Humphrey Humphrey Bogart. Was nominated for Supporting Actor for Claude Rains. Cinematography, Black and White, Film Editing, and Score. It is number 48 on IMDb's top-rated movies. I think that one is rated by fans and by viewers, users, so not a critics, but it's number 48 on IMDb's top rated movies of all time. Um, I guess many people have tried to remake it and the film is deemed untouchable. So there are no actual remakes of this film. Interestingly enough, one of the people who pushed for this was Madonna, who wanted to remake this movie and star in it as Ilsa opposite Ashton Kutcher. Amen. <laughs> Wait, so would Ashton Kutcher play Laszlo? 
No, Ashton Kutcher was He'd supposed play to play Rick. Rick. Okay. <laughs> Which is a very strange combo. He was in Dude, Where's My Car? I just think we need to throw that out there. When we yeah, yeah. Him. Just a weird combo. Um. So, yeah, that was shot down. But, but he was also Steve Jobs. So, who knows? The one lesser of the, of the one of the Steve Jobs. The lesser of the Steve Jobs, according to people who have seen both the Jobs movies. But anyways, so Casablanca has remained untouchable. Nobody has remade it. Hailed as one of the great classics of all time. Then we have Law Abiding Citizen, which is our eighth seed, comes in at a 26% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Interestingly enough, the audience score for this was a 75%. So when we talk about Rotten Tomatoes scores, we mean the critics consensus scores. Then they have audience scores. So critics, 26, audience, 75. So interesting. Um, It originally had an NC-17 rating um, and had to be resubmitted. I thought that was really interesting because watching this movie, and I'm sure we will talk about it, it's surprisingly violent, very, very violent, almost on the edge of like saw violence, I would say. Um, So there were a couple scenes in there that were much, much more graphic and they had to cut it to get it to the R rating. They needed to release it in theaters. So super shocking. But Anyways, those are our two movies for this week. We are going to talk about their strengths and weaknesses. We are going to talk little details that made a big difference in these movies. We're going to talk about why someone would suggest these for us and why it would be someone's favorite movie of all time. And then we will pick one winner to move on to the next round in this bracket challenge. So let's open this up and start right with strengths and weaknesses. And let's talk Casablanca and tell me about your strengths for Casablanca. So this movie was interesting because I took notes. And then when I got to the end, I realized I didn't necessarily know how to put it into strengths and weaknesses. I ended up finding something. So the strength is that the love story is good, even if it is a little corny, right? Like the guy has to set the woman free, even though he can't love her the way he needs to, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Which was a fun ending to a movie that was made a long time ago because I feel like it wasn't the stereotypical love there, story ending for that time period. That That's it. So one of the reasons I felt like I had trouble with this is because I am trying to grade it on a different scale and it's just a little odd doing that. I don't know if you found that while trying to write down some strengths and weaknesses to this movie. So I will say that it's really hard for me to find strengths and weakness for this movie. And I think Sean feels the same way that at the end of this movie that is hailed as a wonderful epic and a beautiful story. And one of the greatest films ever made, basically the foundation for filmmaking for some people, it was very plain. It felt very, it was like eating a plain Greek yogurt. That's what it was. It wasn't, you can't find anything necessarily bad about a plain Greek yogurt, but you're not going to go like rebuy plain Greek yogurt for the taste of it. Cause it's not amazing and it's not even great and it's maybe good. It's just kind of in the middle. And I know that's a weird comparison, but that's what this movie felt like. So I, enjoy the strength you came up with because it's not one that I thought about. And I really like the idea that they didn't end up together in the end. I think that was really great. My strength for this movie is not necessarily my strength. 
It's that this movie is iconic for many people. This movie is the backbone of filmmaking for many people. And without this movie, without it being made, a lot of other things wouldn't be possible. And I can't go into name all of those things, but I'm sure how many filmmakers, screenwriters, actors look at Casablanca, look at Humphrey Bogart, look at these roles and build their entire careers off of this or take some piece of it and make it into some movies we love more today. And so that was kind of a general strength that I had for this movie as well as just how well it was produced, I think, from the time period setting to just the details around the sets, the extras and how well the costumes looked and just how well staged everything was. It felt like a clean movie. It felt very well acted. It felt like the actors had really good connections with one another and it was a well-made movie. And I think that it's just, it's good in that sense. So what are your weaknesses? My weakness is that it was boring. (laughs) It was so boring. It was an hour and 42 minute movie. And we were sitting there maybe with 30 minutes left. And we were like, how much longer is this movie? It's really dull. It didn't feel very compelling to watch. It's very much more dialogue heavy than I thought it was going to be. There's not a lot of movement in terms of like scenery. They stay in kind of the same couple of locations for the entire movie, which makes it feel a little bit drab because you see the same characters in the same locations having very similar conversations all the time. And it's very wishy-washy, will they, won't they? But it's not compelling, will they, won't they? It's not drama, will they, won't they? It's just this lady being super undecided and this guy being like, yes, and then no. And it just struck me as really boring for a movie that people say is literally the best movie ever made on earth to go in and watch this. I just, maybe we had really high expectations based on its track record, but I didn't love it. So I'd like to talk about that more because that's in my weaknesses is just that it isn't good as I've heard it is. And how the way we enjoy movies sometimes depends on the recommendation of others, right? Like, oh, that movie wasn't as good as Ryan said, or that movie was much better than David gave it credit for. You know right. what I mean? But it's not just Ryan and David here. It's it's Ryan, David, and 10 million other people. Yeah, and it's something about the buildup of it just didn't live up, but... I don't have a weakness for the movie. And I think that's kind of the conversation that we have to have around this movie is not necessarily about the movie, but about everything around the movie. Which is a shame. And I, but I don't know if I made a devil's advocate argument here that if we watch this movie with blind eyes, just not knowing anything. Georgia, not Casablanca. (laughs) It's a new movie. It's called Georgia. Yeah. yeah. And no one knew anything about it. No one said anything about it. If we would go into this and I, I think it holds up. I think I would go into this still thinking it's a boring movie. It's not that great. And I wouldn't think that it is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I think it would just be another old movie that I saw and we couldn't help but making comparisons to some other older films that revolve around these will they, won't they love stories. One included in our bracket from this bracket challenge, which is Brief Encounter, which I think was miles ahead of Casablanca, was 
so much, much better in terms of connection, in terms of just an interesting story, different settings, the will they, won't they had a little bit more drama in it. And it was just a better told story and more intriguing and more interesting than this one was. So I think I'm just really thrown off by how drab this was. How about the fact that one of the movies takes place in the middle of World War II, which was important at the time of the release of the movie, but obviously still important to the hit to our history, but we are no longer living in it. I think that's something with Casablanca that kind of doesn't hit as hard as it probably did when it first released and was a revolutionary movie because, you know, it had the balls to talk about the World War going on and have some part of that into the in the movie and it just doesn't hit anymore you know yeah and I think that's a great argument but no shade to the person who suggested this at all but this person did not grow up in world war ii era that's true (laughs) this person was nowhere near world war ii era and I think that goes for a lot of people that love this movie and consider this their favorite movie of all time. It's not people who identify with the time period. It's people who really are drawn into the romance. And if we are missing something, let us know. Cause I was just, I'm just awestruck still by how much I really didn't care for this movie at all. But talking about a different movie now, let's go over to Law Abiding Citizen. Which is a love story. <laughs> it's not a love story. It's about loss of love. I think a lot of people know Casablanca and know that it's just kind of a love story set in a particular time, aka World War II. But let me set up Law Abiding Citizen for you guys a little bit because I don't think this is a common one people have seen. So we have Gerard Butler and Jamie Foxx. You know, Gerard Butler in the height of his powers in like 2009 or whenever this came out. And the movie starts with Gerard Butler hanging out with his kid and these two guys come in and murder his kid and his wife. And then Jamie Foxx is a defense attorney makes a deal with the guy who murdered his wife. Plea deal, yeah. Yeah. For the other guy who was also there but didn't actively murder his wife to give him information, and then that guy gets put to death. So then Gerard Butler decides to basically murder every person who was a part of his wife and his child's murder. So the guy who actually did it, all of the lawyers who were involved, all of the legal system, anybody, the judge, anybody. So he sets up basically these elaborate saw traps while he's incarcerated after killing this one guy. And Jamie Foxx is working with him in trying to give him deals so he doesn't end up killing all of these people. It's a very strange movie. And maybe that synopsis didn't really make a lot of sense. Um, but it's basically Gerard Butler trying to like outsmart these people and them race against time to stop these traps from killing people. Revenge basically. Yeah. It's yeah. a weird revenge story. So going into strengths and weaknesses for this movie, my strength for this movie is that it was really fun to make fun of. It was one of those movies that we were watching it and it's so bad that you can be like, oh, that's a mistake. Oh, why didn't they do that? That's really stupid. Oh, that looks dumb as fuck. Oh, that person sounded dumb saying that. And it was fun to have that banter with you as we were watching this movie and be like, this is so bad. 
So I, that's my strength for the movie is that it was so bad that at times it was really fun to watch and make fun of. Interesting. Well, I have an actual strength, a couple. <laughs> Mine is an actual strength, but go on. Um, I think a movie that starts out with like the villain backstory, it's a, it's a smart move, but it did not work here. But I do like the attempt at it. I think bad guys are super important to build as characters so we know something about them. They can't just be bad. Uh, and the other one is I like the the parts of the movie where we focus on the integrity of Jamie Foxx. The movie sets him up as a lawyer for good, but making sure that he still has his approval numbers or whatever. And I think this movie works in the parts where Jamie Foxx as a character has to kind of look in the mirror at himself and that's it. So those are my strengths. Not much there, but every once in a while, Jamie Foxx has to take a good hard look at himself and but not enough. Let's I, let's make the argument that not enough. If the movie pivoted towards that, which is what this revolved around anyways, was that Gerard Butler wanted to show what actual justice should look like. And once actual justice was served, then these things would stop happening. And so I think the inner conflict of this good versus evil inner issue within Jamie Foxx's character, Nick, I think that if that was pushed a little bit more and we had more of that like inner monologue or him talking to his wife about these things, or it revolved a little bit more around him, it might be good because I think that's part of the problem with this movie too, is that, is this a Gerard Butler movie? Is this a Jamie Foxx movie? And I don't know. I, in my notes, I referred to both of them as the hero of the movie. Yeah, because there's no hero of this movie, right? Everyone does really bad things. So there's no hero. It's just about who comes out on top. And that's where the movie loses its luster. Because I put that in my notes. Who am I rooting for in this movie? I'm so confused watching this movie, wondering if these elaborate traps that Gerard Butler has set up, that these people should die, or if Jamie Foxx should get to them first and save them. I don't know who to root for. Like at some point it just becomes so excessive. And that is my, my biggest weakness of this movie is that it is extremely excessive in, in everything that it does. The way the movie starts out is so unnecessary the amount of violence in the first scene is just super unnecessary. There's an attempted sexual assault in the very first, maybe five minutes of this movie, which is extremely unnecessary. It, it doesn't add to the movie at all. It's very weird. It throws you off right away. And then there are scenes where Gerard Butler is literally slicing a man up into pieces and they don't show it like too much. I haven't seen many of the Saw movies, but I don't think it's as like gratuitous violence as that. But there is that. There are people getting blown up. There is someone getting stabbed with a steak bone in the neck and just blood everywhere. It is so extreme and it does not add to the movie at all. It doesn't it doesn't need to be what it is. And I don't understand why they decided to amp it up so much. And I'm wondering if they're trying to like differentiate it from your regular action movie by making it more violent and making it a little bit more on the horror. Yeah, it's like a horror thriller side, but it doesn't go all in on either. 
But it's really off-putting to watch this movie because you just don't need how much violence it's giving you. It's really gross. I actually think it is a movie that is supposed to be a horror movie. But the problem is it took place in the worst time for the horror genre, which is the excessive gore. Like you said, the Saw movies. This is kind of around the time that those were big. We had the Saw Hostel, all of those just gross, gory horror movies. And it felt like it took a piece of that, which was unfortunate. Yeah, it really did a lot. And I wonder if it was overcompensating for the terrible script and for the very confusing plot, because that's another one of my weakness is the plot of this movie is so implausible. It is just, I mean, basically, spoiler alert, Gerard Butler, before he murders someone and goes to prison, buys a used car garage and digs a hole from the car garage to solitary confinement to every cell in solitary confinement in the prison he later ends up on. And so that's how he's committing all of these murders of these outside people and setting up all these elaborate bombs and traps is that he's leaving the prison every night to go to this garage and dress up in disguise and go and do all of these things. It makes no fucking sense. He's putting on a fake mustache. Yeah. And terrible disguises too. And There are so many plot holes and I won't get into all of them, but there's a courtroom scene that doesn't make any sense because his intentions are very unclear in it. It's a messy, messy, messy movie from start to finish. And it is just truly a really bad movie in my opinion. Okay. Well, you ripped it apart. So it's that you've talked about my weaknesses and little detail. Um, What was your little detail? That we don't need attempted sexual assaults to know that the bad guy is the bad guy. Yeah. No, that's super fair. We get it. It doesn't add to anything and doesn't need to happen. My little detail is also kind of a weakness because um, I couldn't find just, little details. Just keep going then. Because nothing is little about this movie. And I will say this and then we will move on from this movie. Um, so the daughter was the main motivator for him to do all of this, right? He... I mean, the wife too, but the daughter more so. He had the daughter's bracelet on and he was seeking revenge for the daughter. But then it felt like she really wasn't the motivator. It felt like he lost the idea. Murder was the, (laughs) murder's fun and now that's the motivator. That's what it became, I think. Like, it was all about, I want you to feel the pain my daughter felt. And it's like, oh, okay, like some some justice, some like dad justice. I can can vibe with it. Once he stabbed like the guy- in the neck in prison. It's Who had nothing like to do with anything besides for him to get into solitary, which makes no sense because all he had to do was like beat that guy up and he would have been in solitary. He didn't have to murder him to get into solitary confinement. But, you know, if you're ever going to prison, hot tip, you don't have to murder someone to get into solitary. They send guys there all the time. But anyways, the daughter just was not in sight of the storyline anymore until the very end where he was sitting on the bed before he ultimately met his demise and Jamie Foxx outsmarted him and planted a bomb in his cell where I think he was like looking at the bracelet or was saying something about his daughter at the end. It's like, oh, okay, now it's about her again. Now you did all of this for her again after you just went on a murder spree and killed a bunch of people that had nothing to do with this. So it lost a lot of... uh the intention I felt like. And that was, that was my little detail that made a big difference because I think if this was very taken esque, right? Like Liam Neeson trying to 
kill the bad guys to well, get he save can get his her daughter. back alive right that's the di- yeah that's the difference but <laughs> let's put a dead daughter in it and let's see like you know maybe he's trying to find all of these people right one right after the other and if it was more action heavy in that sense but maybe they also didn't want to do that because i think taken was around the same time too i remember kevin bacon making a really good version of this movie that maybe we'll have to watch one day i don't remember what it was called but i can figure it out okay Good to know. Staying on little details that made a big difference. What was your little detail for Casablanca? None. (laughs) It's a very plain movie. There's nothing hidden in it. I'm so sorry about this podcast, you guys. This episode is, uh, we don't have much to say about these. It's one of those movies that's too old to like sneak anything in. Everything is at face value. So yeah, I have nothing. So my little detail is that going into this movie, all I knew about it really was that it was a love story and I knew the famous quotes from the movie. And I did not realize that they use here's looking at you kid like five times in the movie. It just felt overused. And by the time it's the quote, it is the quote, but it felt pretentious and annoying when we were watching it. And maybe it's because I thought it was going to be very cute and casually slipped in and it was just very much overused. And I just think that we'll always have Paris is a much better quote from this movie because it was their final send off. It gave a lot of nice closure to their romance. And I thought it was a really cute quote about their time that they spent together and saying that like this relationship isn't going to go on, but here's what we had. And I feel like everyone identifies here's looking at you kid with this movie. And I think we'll always have Paris is a better quote for it. Yeah, I agree, but I don't care enough about this movie to fight it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, who would care about this movie? Why would this be someone's favorite movie of all time? So it's a classic movie and you hang your hat on that. Something about this movie's place in history that also does something for you along with the story and the movie. I agree. And I think With this movie, if it's your favorite movie of all time, you also romanticize film itself. You, I love the idea of these old romance films. Just the idea of it is a romanticized notion for you. And I think if you really like this movie and really like the story and like the romance and the difference in the romance, as opposed to some of kind of the corny things we see today, I think that's why it would be your favorite movie. I think this is a lot of people's favorite movie and I can see kind of why personally, I I don't think I could ever get there, but I respect it. Going into law abiding citizen, a little more confused on this one, but what I think is this person maybe likes action movies, but likes to have more of a puzzle in their action movies. Doesn't just like the booms and the blow ups and the chase scenes and things like that. Wants a little bit more of that psychological thriller action aspect of films. Yeah, I probably agree with that. They like their movies a little more intense. Uh, I would say if they like this movie, they probably like that one with with Jason Statham where he had to keep his heart above the whatever rate. No, you don't know about that one. I don't remember this. He ends up like turning a car battery on himself to try and get his heart going again. I don't, it, uh, voltage, something like that. Never. Uh, can't remember. Uh, so you like that, but you also do like that torture porn era of horror films. Something about that. You probably like a little bit. 
And maybe it's just like that early 2000s feel of it that you like. Maybe you really like Gerard Butler and wish he would have had a bigger career for himself. That's it. That's it. We figured it out. (laughs) Maybe. He really has disappeared. I'm sure he's doing things now, but you know, nothing mainstream. Well, this is a this is on the shorter side of our podcast episodes. And like I said, not a lot of substance here, not a whole lot of exciting details to talk about because we really found that both of these movies fell flat for us and they were not super exciting to watch for us. Didn't really like all of these. And this is one of those matchups that we've talked about in previous brackets where I wish that we could take something from a previous matchup that didn't get to move on. Like I wish we could pull school of rock and put that in here instead of either of these or some of these fallen comrades from previous matchups and put it in here. Um, like even anti mame from one of our last podcasts, I think that would be a good one to move on, but we can't do that. We have to pick one winner. We have to pick one to move on. So we will reveal our winner in a three, two, one countdown. And then we will talk a little bit about why we chose that one over the other one. You ready? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Casablanca. Casablanca moves on to the next round. And this is a purely a decision based on it was be- better a better movie. movie. Yeah, That's it's, it. it's a better movie. That's just it. At the end of the day, it's better filmmaking. It's a better movie. It's a better script. There's better actors. It's highly acclaimed. I disagree. I like Jamie Foxx a lot. Even <laughs> Jamie if he Foxx is great. Yeah. Even if he wasn't great in this movie, he was really bad in this movie. He he was not. He was not fun. He was. He looked like he was having a bad time filming this, but. Yeah, Casablanca moves on to the next round just because it is hailed as a classic. We can look at it and subjectively say it's better than the other one. And that's why it moves on to the next round. So Casablanca will move on to the next round. It will advance. We have two one versus eight matchups left. The next being Giant, which is a first seed versus Burlesque, which is an eighth seed. And that podcast episode will drop in two weeks on Monday, June 21st. Sean will be out of town, so we will not have time to watch these movies or record for the week after. So we will drop that episode on Monday, June 21st. If you guys don't follow us on Instagram and Twitter, please give us a follow at the Cinematchups where you can comment, like our content, talk to us on there. We love hearing from you guys, all of our small podcasters who have been reaching out to us on those platforms. We hear you. We love talking with you guys. We appreciate all of the support that you're giving us on this podcast. And as I stated at the beginning, go check out where you are on chalonge.com slash the cinematchups where you can look at our bracket. And if you are in our bracket contest, you can look at the leaderboard and see where you're at because in a few weeks time, we will know who the winner of that bracket challenge will be and who will take home a fun movie prize pack. So that will wrap us up for today. As I stated, next episode will be in two weeks on the 21st and stay tuned for that. We will talk giant versus burlesque. But for today, for the Cinematchups, we are Kim Kohler and Sean Rodenberg and we will see you next time. Bye.